the second guessing. Oh, the second guessing. I know it so well. This is Heart of the Story, and I'm Nadine Kenny Johnstone. I believe that stories save us, and that's why I've spent my life immersed in books. First as a writing professor, and now as an award-winning author who leads women's writing and wellness workshops and retreats. I find that no matter how zen we strive to be, life rarely goes as planned. But stories are our steadfast companions. And since the last few years have brought huge transitions to everyone, including me, I wanted to talk to other women who have lived real lives and have been audacious enough to share all the messy, joyous, complicated bits. I thought I could learn a thing or two from them about writing and healing and about, well, being human. And it's been one of the greatest thrills of my life. So join me for powerful conversations with today's top women writers and wellness experts who go beyond the surface level and into that deep, raw, honest place, the heart of the story. Hi, friends. Ever since my conversation with Mei Yoshikawa last week, which you must listen to if you have not already, my brain has just been turning, thinking about all the things that we discussed about life, about the unexpected events that come our way, about how we react to those events, about our own well-being. And I had this term pop into my head some time ago, months if not years ago, It's just been with me for so long now, I can't remember when it originated, but I kind of think of life in this way of a Rubik's Cube analogy. And it's been a really, really helpful mental processing trick when I use this symbol. And it helps me to, in the end, feel much more hopeful and much kinder towards myself and makes me feel a little bit brighter and bigger. And I wanted to share it with you. So here we go. A few weeks ago, one of the most important people in my life was going through a really, really difficult time. And I so desperately wanted to be there for them. I wanted to do what I would usually do if I lived nearby, which is to get in my car, drive immediately to their house, offer a hug, bring a present, sit with them, and just be with them in their hardship. But I couldn't do that because we live in Florida now, and it was so painful, so painful to not just drive over and be there in 40 minutes and be able to sit next to them. And it got me thinking about this Rubik's Cube notion that I've played over and over my head in my head, which is this. I feel like so often when we are trying to solve for one variable in our life, 
all of the other parts get dismantled. Similar to how when we are trying to get one side of the Rubik's Cube to be one solid color, the other sides look in disarray and everything feels messy. And so I was thinking about how our move to Florida has so helped with seasonal blues that I used to get in Illinois and the warmth and the sunshine and the active lifestyle have been so good for us. And yet it's created another issue, which is distance from my loved ones and not being able to be there physically in their times of need. And I'm no stranger to this and we are no stranger to this idea that no sooner do we solve for one variable than everything else feels messed up. And I'm sure that you can relate. And I looked back as I was thinking about this at the different times in my life, how this has been true again and again. I'm solving for one side of the cube and then everything else is so messy. So to give you some examples, when I was in my early 20s, two decades ago, living in Chicago, I was in graduate school in a creative writing program that I loved so much. I was feeling so inspired and living in the city and it was so bustling, but there was one major problem, which is that I had fallen in love with a man who lived in Massachusetts (laughs) and I missed him so much. And it was so hard to do long distance for years. And so the day after I graduated from grad school, I moved to Massachusetts to be with him. Many of you know this story with my now husband, Jamie. And so it solved for one side of the cube. It solved the love problem in that we could finally have our relationship together. We could be together at all times and not have the distance. But then other parts of my life became dismantled, like I was further away from my family. I had to get a new job. I miss my Chicago buzzing energy of the city. My writing community was far away, right? So everything else felt like a mess. So then we got married, we bought a house, we had our son. And then suddenly the big problem was that I didn't have a village. I was far from my family and I needed desperately to be near them and have their help with raising this beautiful boy. So we moved to Chicago and it solved one side of the cube, which is the family part. But we had to get new jobs, both Jamie and I. We no longer had nature at the ready nearby. We had to deal with city traffic and all of the things that come with that, all of the things that come with living in a city, carrying our groceries up three flights of stairs and not being able to find parking, things like that. So everything else starts getting a little undone. Things that were a non-issue before, were now an issue. 
A short while later, we as Gio was entering kindergarten, we wanted to stop renting, not have to deal with landlord stuff and not having certainty about whether we could stay in a place or not. So we wanted to buy our own home and we wanted to be in a school district that was really good for Gio. And we found this amazing school where it was a dual language program. He would learn in Spanish for half the day. And then the other day he would learn his subjects in English. So he would be bilingual. And this was really important to me and to us that he know another language, that he learn other cultures. So we bought this home. He enters this school, but it was much further from our jobs. And so suddenly we had two and a half hours of commuting added on to our days, an hour and 15 minutes each way. That meant more sedentary time. That meant less family quality time together. And so (laughs) there was this dismantling of the other areas of our life, even though we solved for the house and the school thing. So then the pandemic hit and suddenly it solved the commuting issue because we were remote and we had more family time. And this was wonderful. But of course, it created all sorts of other problems, just fear and anxiety It created us having to be our son's school teachers, missing our community and the ability to connect with other people. So then we decided, okay, we'll buy an Airstream camper and we'll travel. We'll try to make the most of this if we're going to be remote. So that solved one side, but then no sooner the other sides became disassembled because we no longer had stability. And during the pandemic, it was almost like a crushing amount of rootedness of having to stay in one's home and having Groundhog Day type routines. But then when we went on the road, it was like there were no routines. There was no groundedness at all. And that felt very chaotic So then we realize, oh, well, if our jobs are remote, well, then we have flexibility with what we want to do with our professions. And that's when I left university teaching and I went full-time on my own with my own writing workshops. And that was so exciting And I was able to be there more for Geo and for my family. But then it took away this office culture of interacting with other humans in person. And also even something as simple as getting dressed professionally in the morning and going out into the world and and feeling necessary and important to people in person. And a lot of that was able to be translated via Zoom, which was great. But there was that missing of even just the water cooler chats of being able to talk to other individuals about life and just laugh and joke. So then we moved to Florida because one of the major parts of the cube that had never been solved was this issue of winter. 
long gray winters that were really, really hard on my psyche. And when we moved to Florida, it solved for sunshine and warmth and a very active lifestyle. But then it created a distance between my family members and I, a physical distance, wishing we could be there closer for one another, right? So that kind of catches you up to speed on the many different Rubik's Cube situations that repeatedly created a sort of assembly and disassembly, assembly and disassembly, or a dismantling and a remantling, a dismantling and a remantling. And it felt like this deep frustration, deep frustration. No sooner is one side solved than the rest is a total mess. And one time I wrote in my my journal when I was thinking about this, some wisdom from my wiser self. I write a note from my wiser self most mornings in my journal. And she said one time, you can have most of what you want, but just not all at once. (laughs) You can have most of what you want, but just not all at once. No truer words have been spoken because I realized that I've had the great fortune of having many different things that fulfill me and fill my heart, but never all at once. So there's never been one moment in time where it's everything at a high level of satisfaction, marriage, job, home, neighborhood, school system, family connection, right? It has never existed all at the same time. This is maddening to me. (laughs) I have an expectation for perfection that is completely unrealistic. And it gets me every time. So I started thinking about this Rubik's Cube. And I've never actually attempted a Rubik's Cube. So I wanted to learn more about this. So I Googled some YouTube videos (laughs) and found something very interesting. And that is that there's this four-part move that is the trick to solving the cube. And it's where you take a side and you go up and then you take the top side and you go left and then you go down and then you go right So it's like up, left, down, right, up, left, down, right. And I think of it kind of more like an out, out, in, in, out, out, in, in. And the more you keep doing these moves, it makes everything aligned. I'm a sucker for metaphor. And so I started thinking a lot about this. And it gave some satisfaction that in order to try to solve or align We must create a mess in the meantime. When you're doing this out, out, in, in, move, out, out, in, in, move, it looks like you're getting further and further away from actually having a solid color on one side. But trickily, it's actually getting you closer and closer. 
This is so true in my life and in our lives. It's a total mess in the meantime, as we're trying to get closer to a level of satisfaction with one area of our life. It can be a total mess and we rarely have the perspective to see that it's actually getting better as it's getting worse. And I started thinking a little bit more about this and I thought, well, if I can never solve all the sides at once, if it's like just one side at a time and then the other sides are getting messed up, if, if I can't have deep satisfaction in all the sides simultaneously, if the cube actually never gets solved on all sides, then is it worth it? It kind of begs the question, should I have left it alone? <laughs> Am I making it worse? Am I making it worse? And then sometimes it's even this. Am I any happier? So I was doing all these things to be happier, to improve this side of my life. But I've created this chaos in the other parts. Is it worth it? Should I have left it alone? Oh boy. That's a hard one. That's a hard one to sit with. You know this feeling. I know you do. I can't be the only one who's had those questions. Hmm. The second guessing. Oh, the second guessing. I know it so well. Just when I was in the throes of a, a deep second guessing, I listened to an Elizabeth Gilbert talk about how culture, society encourages our indecision, which only leaves us more distraught. And she talked about second guessing, the grass is always greener sort of situation. And the second guessing is such, such a culprit because it gets us closer to regret and guilt and shame. And there is a wonderful writer named Leanna Tankersley, whom I love, and she wrote a book called Hope Anyway, which was about her divorce. But it was really more about the, the mental and emotional processing of that grief and how to keep going in the midst of it and how to have hope anyway, even in the midst of the hard stuff. She has this amazing chapter about rebuilding. But in it, she talks about regret. And here's what she says. There are two kinds of regret. One is productive, where we look back and we see specific lessons we've learned. I think this kind of regret is rare. Most regret is a thief. It steals the present from us 
while we rehearse a past we can't control. Oof, I'm going to say that again. Leanna says, it steals the present from us while we rehearse a past we can't control. Most regret robs us of our humanity and looks back on a situation with all the information, all the perspective, and all the hindsight and judges the decisions we made when we had none of those things. Hmm. <laughs> wow. And so what she says is that when we are trying to deal with remantling after we've dismantled or life is dismantled for us, oftentimes we come upon what she describes as a rebuilding year or a rebuilding season. And I know we've got a lot of metaphors going, but that's okay. She says that in the sports world, when they've gotten a bunch of new players and the team looks very different than it did the previous year, that oftentimes the goal for that team realistically is not to go win the Super Bowl that year. Instead, they know that likely that year will be a rebuilding year, trying to figure out how all these new players work together and rebuild the team and the rapport in order to set themselves up for success in the future. And she talks about how in life we have these rebuilding years or seasons. And sometimes we need to allow ourselves to have rebuilding years or seasons. Oh, I had a major rebuilding year and that was in 2021 and early 2022 after my father passed away and we had sold our home in Illinois, but we didn't know our next steps. And it was all new. And we were trying to figure out how to move forward. But first we had to just get grounded and kind of rebuild emotionally and mentally. Leanna Tankersley says, we can't rebuild when we're paralyzed by unproductive regret. And I would add to that with unproductive second guessing, which is a sister twin to regret, right? She says, we also can't rebuild if we're not on our own team. Hmm. We also can't rebuild if we're not on our own team. So this is where the hard work comes in. When we second guess and when we regret and when we look at the Rubik's Cube and all we see is the mess, what we do then is we turn internally and rather than looking at the cube, we start looking at ourselves and only seeing mess and guilt and shame and regret. This is the hard part. This is when we do all of the, should I have left it alone? But if we take this Rubik's Cube idea a little bit further, whenever I'm in the second guessing, there's one thing that pulls me out of it. 
I start re-examining those choices that I made and I notice something else. And that is the sneaky goodness that came in that I wasn't even expecting and wasn't solving for, but that came in anyways and gave me things I didn't even know I was at a deficit of or things that I didn't even know I was lacking or had a void of. When I moved to Massachusetts for love, but got further away from my family in Chicago and my writing community, I made two really amazing, incredible friends who are so dear to me. We just saw them in Cape Cod a couple months ago. So dear to me. Incredible women. I mean, like these women need to win awards for how they are as humans and as mothers, as women and friends. I wasn't even looking for them. They came to me anyway. In Chicago, we moved to solve the side of family and village. And I got my whole writing career when I moved back to Chicago. It just took off. My writing took off. My writing teaching took off. And it became the foundation for what I still do to this day. When we moved to the suburbs to own a home and to get our son in a good school, what came to me, something I wasn't expecting at all, was this deep love of nature. We moved from a city in a city suburb to this very nature-esque almost rural kind of suburb in Illinois that was so full of wildlife, forest preserves everywhere. Our house was on a little lake. Every day I saw geese and ducks. Every day, red-winged blackbirds. During the pandemic, we started a huge garden. We raised chickens. Never thought I would own chickens in my whole life. I created a regular deep meditation practice and a nature noticing walk practice that I still do going out and just noticing nature. None of that existed, at least not to that height before we moved there. I liked nature. I meditated from time to time. No, when we moved there, it was just like being deeply, truly connected with the earth. During the pandemic, we suddenly didn't have to commute anymore. But of course, we were terrified about everything else. But what it gave me was time, time to think about my profession and this coaching business that I loved, that I was doing on the side. And it started getting me thinking, could I start a podcast Could I lead my own writing workshops online? Could I eventually, when the world opened up, lead women's retreats? Hmm. And here we are. And when we moved to Florida, we were solving for sunshine. But what we got in addition were incredible neighbors who threw me a surprise publishing party when my book came out in May, my book, Come Home to Your Heart, 
They threw me a surprise party. And I have met a group of women friends here that are so fabulous. I couldn't have handpicked them better myself. We just went on a girls getaway weekend to Fairhope. And I can't describe how good it feels to know these women and to be motivated by them and supported by them. And so this sea of gifts comes in. And you know what it made me realize? First, it stops the second guessing. Because if I'm going to play that game, and if I'm going to go, well, if you wouldn't have left Chicago in the first place to move to Massachusetts, you would have had your village, right? All along. Mm. And yet, I wouldn't have met those friends. If we wouldn't have left the city to go to the suburbs in Illinois, we wouldn't have had those long commutes every day. Yeah, but what about the gardens and the lake and the birds and the chickens? What about that? That helps to shush it a little bit. But then I realized this. The cube is a myth cube is a myth. It's the incorrect assumption that life is something that we can control in our own hands and manipulate at our whim. It is a myth. We've been looking at life all along as if it were a cube, an object for us to control, which then puts all this pressure on us that we have to choose right with every move. This is not the way things work. Really, it's a sea of infinite possibilities and variables. And every one of them leads to maybe more complications and also more surprises of the best kind. And so where do we go with this? Well, I don't think anybody else could have said it better than what Elizabeth Gilbert says at the end of that talk that I mentioned earlier. She says this, if there's any secret, and I'm paraphrasing, it's acting in a spirit of unconditional self-friendship. Acting in a spirit of unconditional self-friendship. She says, The day you drop the knife you've been holding to your own throat is the day when you feel relief and freedom. The day you drop the knife you've been holding to your own throat. Hmm. Today, my friends, I hope that you'll give yourself a second of compassion, that you will release yourself from regret, 
You'll stop asking yourself, should I have left it alone? You'll stop looking at this mess you think you've created. And you'll repeat with me, the cube is a myth. The cube is a myth. Release it from your hands and instead see the sea of infinite possibility and the gifts that will find you one way or another that were never within your control to begin with. Thank you, my friends. If this episode was helpful, share it with a friend. My dear friend, Michelle Rado is the incredible producer of this show. And remember everyone, every heart has a story and every story has a heart. See you next week.